All right, I'm Dan, and welcome to the Stage Fright Podcast, where we talk about mental health while working in creative industries. Today on the show, I'm talking to Grant Sharkey. I realised early on that the music industry is actually not very good for mental health. I've produced 20 albums with Grant, so I wanted to talk to him about being the most prolific songwriter that I know. Everyone's got 24 hours in a day. How much of that time is being taken up with you working for someone else? We talk about his views on the music industry. The one thing no one identifies as the reason why everyone's anxious in the music industry is the music industry. People's expectations. I've known people who've killed themselves in this game because of the fact they feel like they haven't made it. The use of social media. We hold up a version of ourselves online, but usually we're posting it from the toilet. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And how Grant dealt with his mental health early on. It used to take like a week to work out why I was unhappy. And then you'd go, oh right, it's okay, it's because I'm pretending I'm a rock star, when the truth is I've got to do my tax return. Even though Grant is working in the music industry, he's not exactly working for the music industry. We literally have a music industry that basically says the smaller you are, the shitter you are. Whereas I always think the smaller you are, the more important you you're listening to the stage fright podcast here's grant sharkey do we video this and pretend we're we're entrepreneurs yeah <laughs> yeah i'm an entrepreneur then we do podcasts yeah it's like hang on yeah. podcasts don't make that much money you can't be that good an entrepreneur if you've got time to make a podcast yeah, you're not you're not a good businessman come on not, i did no, i did see nothing. a funny like tiktok video and it was um all entrepreneurial podcasts sound like this. And there's two girls, they're taking the piss and they're like, yeah, my dad gave me a million pounds when I was 15. Yeah. Do you know what I did with that money? I burnt it and I learned more in that in that second than any money would ever Sad me. music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or inspirational music. Yeah, inspirational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, that's a good place to start the podcast. You should do your bling, ding, bling, ding, bling, ding, bling. <laughs> Mate, I, I recorded because... I did all the music and stuff for it about a year ago now. Like the first one I recorded was about a year old. Yeah. I can't remember how to play that bling, those chords. Bling, 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 bling. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> do it. Um, don't worry. I, it's, don't need to. Never, I'm never going to do this live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Like, hang on, we've just got to stop so I can just say, That's Dan a- Parkinson music, Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't don't subscribe yet. Sorry. I've I've been meaning to. That's fine. That's, um, oh, I'm here with Grant Sharkey. Hey! (laughs) The one everyone's (laughs) been waiting for, probably. Listen for that applause. Nice. (laughs) How are you? What have you been doing? (laughs) I don't know. It's nice to meet you, Dan. Yeah, it's nice to meet Um, you for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) What have I been doing? I've been, uh, okay, this week I've been in a musical that I've written. Yes, you've written a musical. In the last three months. Um, but usually, uh, well, actually next week I'm on tour again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, life is just hectic at the moment. Yeah. That's why I wanted to get you in because you're the most hardworking indie artist I know. Ah. So your year, how did your year look before you... In uh, fact, should we say what you do first? Because some people will be like, who the fuck's Grand Shark? <laughs> uh, the, the only way I've boiled it down is to say I play a double bass and I sing songs about the government. Okay, right. That's it. But that's not true either. I don't just sing songs about the government. Yeah. I'm not like a protest singer although i am um (laughs) um, i write music i i sing songs i write songs and i travel and i play my songs to people and i make friends with all those people and then i do it again and we make different friends but to keep the the old ones as well and then every year it grows and grows and grows and i release an album every six months that i record with Dan Parkinson music. <laughs> <laughs> Full of slash. 
um, every six months. In fact, I was just thinking, this is the first time we haven't recorded an album in the last 10 years. Yes. Because I've been writing a musical, but so not we, recording we could, a we could start with that. Why 40 albums in 20 years? Okay. Well, this is what I was thinking about, because I was thinking about my mental health. I know this is about mental health, and mm. I was thinking about, why is my mental health so excellent? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> okay. Um, and you... The one thing that I, but I've listened to every episode of your podcast, and cool. the one thing no one identifies as the reason why everyone's anxious uh, in the music industry is the music industry. Right, yes. Do you know what I mean? And the music industry asks every musician to be bigger, be big, be, make more, do yeah. stuff, you know, ca carry on, even if you don't feel like it, you've got to do this stuff. And they'll work artists to the bone to the point where some of them take a rope or a gun yeah. to themselves, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and someone's making lots of money who hasn't written a song. And, and you go, hang on, this this is... You. So I, I realised early on that the music industry is actually not very good for mental health. Right. That's my thing. So I stepped out of it. I, you know, I, I genuinely made decisions where I go, am I working for me or am I working for someone else? Yes. And this is where we should do the entrepreneurial podcast part. Yeah. <laughs> am I working for me or am I working for someone else? When I wake up in the morning and I'm brushing my teeth, do I have to say to TikTok, you owe me? <laughs> um, you know, um, it's, but it's just this, it's literally this thing of, you know, you've got 24, everyone's got 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. How much of that time is being taken up with you working for someone else? Yeah. When you are self-employed as a musician, as, a, as an artist. Are, am I employing people to do stuff I can't do? Or, or am I employing stuff, people to do stuff I don't want to do? Okay. That yeah. sort of thing. So, you know, in terms of booking tours and all that, you know, I do it all myself. I could throw some money at someone else to do it. But they just, I, I would just literally spend that time doing nothing. Yeah. True. yeah <laughs> so I, see, I yeah. may as well do it. Um, and it's just that thing of, you know, if, if you're going to be working to the bone, you may as well do it to yourself. Yes. Well, that's why I started the podcast, just to keep me doing yeah, yeah. something Abs else. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and we spend so much time trying to appease a master that doesn't want us to swear on the radio mm. and doesn't want us to say something slightly tricky or controversial yeah. anywhere. You know, even the most edgy bands on Radio 6 or whatever still have to conform to a certain criteria of what a song is. Mm. Absolutely no one, I mean, I don't know how much bleeping you're going to do on this, but, but you know, absolutely no one can uh, go on Radio 6 and just go, you fucking cunts, all of your mm. cunts, the royal family should be killed. Mm. You know, they yeah. won't get on. No. <laughs> okay, that's not necessarily my opinion. But, you know, it's one of those things of someone should be allowed to say that in a song and that song to still be valid. Yeah, in, in the artistic realm, without the radio edit yeah. coming so, in. Yeah, so there's a lot of people who aren't, who aren't saying anything. In fact, they'll say less mm. than anything. They'll they'll actually say, "Well, what are my lyrics about? Where well, it's about a boy who meets a girl, and mm -hmm. there's some fingering." <laughs> I don't know. You can't say <laughs> fingering. I haven't okay. heard that one. <laughs> you got to say fingering. You can't say that. You got to say rock. Uh, instead, of, <laughs> yeah. you know, I want to rock your body. Yeah, to the break of dawn. So that's Damn. where your musical inspiration comes from. The fact that actually, I don't need to do that. I can actually I, say what I want. It's to do with where the validation comes from in your art. Yeah. That's, that's actually what it is. So when I write a song, I'm not writing it for anything other than I need to think about this subject and I want to make it entertaining for people that I actually play for. Um, I don't play shows where people are behind barriers or yeah. you know, they're not in a 20-foot pit away from me and stuff like that. I hate that. I think music is putting up so many barriers around artists. Mm -hmm. So we feel like we're rarefied beings of light, you know, and yeah. the audience of these sort of, this throng of 
devoted acolytes, you know, sort of like, oh, look at him, oh, wow. And celebrity is a very powerful emotion, but I really like being in a pub. I love playing without a PA. I love playing. Yeah, I've done sound for you a few times yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you've gone, can you just turn the yeah, PA? And I'm like, well, it. there's no point in me being it. <laughs> I, always, I, always, I always make a point of sort of turning reverbs off vocals and stuff like yeah. that. Because it's like, I'm not pretending. I don't want to pretend I'm in the Albert Hall. Yeah. I don't want to pretend I'm in a cave. You know, I just want to, I want to be in the room. Yeah. Uh, because that's actually, they're the people paying me. You know, that's, that's how it works. So I, I need to be, I need it to be as authentic as possible. And the music industry, like I say, pushes so many musicians into not being authentic. I find it really sad. And yeah. I know most of those people, now that I'm an older person, I don't know, probably a, a, an elder statesman of music now. That <laughs> um, I've known people who've killed themselves, you know, yeah. in this game, and yeah. and because of the fact they feel like they haven't made it, yeah. they haven't appeased the industry. The industry said, no, you haven't got the right face. You're too old. You know, you're playing the what the wrong time signatures for us to make money, and it's like, what? Well, at what point did a song become uh, so special? to the industry that they, they will tell you that it's not worth something, if you see what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I get this, it's, it's a constant thing in my life. And I, I think because I've spent so long just making all these tiny decisions for my life, I've made mistakes too, but every decision has, has led me to step even further away from the music industry. That I'm now so far away from it, I can sort of see it and go, oh my God. Yes. Yeah, the musical I've just written about, it's not about one particular big festival in the yeah. southwest of England. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Yeah. Um, but it's about just about how you, literally there's a massive wall around these things. There's huge amounts of segregation, VIP sections, you know, yeah. backstage, all this sort of stuff. And we're talking about, you know, people go, oh, yeah, but music brings people together. And all I see is the fences. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, it's like, it doesn't bring any of us together. It just puts some of those people in that pen yeah. and the people with the Barclay card in that pen. And, and they've that, paid an extra 300 quid for it. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that'll go to um, what I wanted to ask, talk to you about as well, is how handy has things like Patreon and Bandcamp been for you as an artist? Because Patreon... Not at all. No. Um, <laughs> uh, people support things however they can. Mm. So Patreon is amazing. Um, I don't have very many. I, I, mm. I literally keep it as a sort of a baseline income. I don't promote it much at all. I, I probably should. I could be, I could be a billionaire. <laughs> um, we'll put it on the podcast mate. <laughs> yeah Dan Parkinson Dan. <laughs> um, uh, but the you know I, the Patreon's brilliant for keeping uh, a cash flow in uh, I, I, I remember sort of saying to you you know sort of like I hate that segregation of the tier system you yeah. know so whereas people pay more I copied pay. you on that yeah 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 I, I hate that idea that people can pay me to get more Hmm. or make me work harder or whatever and it's like no, no 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 you just pay me what you can afford pay what you can yeah and i'll do what i can uh, i'll do what i can basically yeah. um band camp's amazing um i try not to like rely on band camp friday and stuff a lot of people sort of so what is band camp friday band camp friday is one week of the year no one week of the month right uh band camp sponsor friday um, so that you are no, no, not really. Um, <laughs> the, day, the whole day. No, they just waive their fees, so they they don't really take very much anyway. I think there are sort of. I think you get eighty five percent of the profits regardless. Wow. Oh wow! On Bandcamp, but on that one Friday, that first Friday of the month, they waive their fees, so you get a hundred percent of the revenue. Wow! That people spend on that day, which is a great way. I mean, it's a very smart way of Bandcamp 
collecting the data, which is actually the most valuable part of yeah. things. Um, you know, and I, I, again, I don't necessarily want people signing up just because if they don't feel like they don't want their data collected, yeah. don't sign up to Bandcamp, yeah. don't sign up to anything. But, but, um, but that's where where the profit is in a lot of the music industry these days is is the the metrics and the yeah. the stats, um, and you can advertise things to people who've bought something else or yeah. whatever. Um, the one thing about Bandcamp is there's no censorship whatsoever as well. They um, I recorded one album with this guy called Dan Parkinson. Um, <laughs> Forward slash. Dan um, it was thirteen forty. It was Man School. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. It, like, there's some songs about like Tommy Robinson. We did it at my house. Yeah, the far right mm. and all that. Yeah, had a horrible cold. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, we did that album. And uh, the people who I use for Spotify for my, my digital um, distribution, they basically said we are not going to put this album out because of the fact it pushes so many far right buttons that we're slightly worried that our third parties won't want to make money out of it they'll be scared of it it's like so that album actually isn't on spotify it probably could be if i just use someone with less standards i use emu bands who i absolutely love yeah they're great emu bands emu bands yeah emu bands i say emu bands i don't know and but i like them you actually recommended them to me i like them because of the fact they do check every song they listen to it and go well this song's uh called nazis that was one song I did with a guy called Dan Parkinson. <laughs> um, and that song will not be allowed for sale in Germany, in Austria, because you're okay, actually not yeah, allowed to have that song. So that actually said, so don't put the global rights in Germany sort of thing. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, good point. Cool. They could have, I could have gone to prison if ever I landed in Germany yeah. for releasing a song called Nazis. So, so that's, that's why I like them. There are other people who take less money and do less of a job, but you know, emu bands or whatever they're called, should probably phone them up one day. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm there in a couple of weeks anyway. I'm in Glasgow. Um, I'll just pop in. What's it called? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grant. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but they actually check things and make sure that you're on a, on, a, on a fairly good sort of legal setting as well with your music as well. So I always feel like that's, that's, that's worth paying the extra 10 or 4 or whatever it is you yeah. know, that, um, that they charge. Um, and I think they're they're really rigorous as well. Yeah, they they don't. I've never had a problem. Every yeah. time they've they've written to me and said, "Oh, we need you know this to be written this way, or or this these rights shouldn't happen like the Germany thing." As soon as I go, "Yep, it's all greenlit. It's done." You know, there's no back and forth. Oh, great! Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, where was I with that? Oh yeah, Bandcamp. Um, yeah. Bandcamp is amazing because you can put almost anything on it. Except for the fact it might be owned by Epic now, I think, which is it possibly might make it. Hopefully, Epic won't touch it. It's a very good business model as it is. Yeah, but I think Epic have actually bought it now, so um, which is fine. You know that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but the yeah, I don't I don't know quite how it's going to affect Bandcamp when the big big money boys come in. It just might mean all of our music ends up on computer games and we don't yeah. get paid for it. <laughs> and you don't get paid yeah. for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Again, but that's also my point. I, so the, uh, the, again, the music industry, there's a lot of people who think they're going to get rich in their bedrooms. Hmm. And, and I always think that that's not necessarily the way music should work. That's not the way, you know, you should go and connect it to people, sit with them and go, I can't wait to see you again, all of you. And just, that's sort of the way it is. So I don't actually sit there and rely on rights or, 
digital sales. I don't even rely on on Bandcamp sales right. for my income. My income comes from touring. Are you up on that on the whole getting your music into libraries and that kind of stuff, or do you not care about that? Side I don't care. You don't care. I stopped caring a long time ago. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think there was a few things. Um, you know, when you get verified on Spotify and stuff like yeah, that, you right. know, just those sort of things, just like try and sort of give yourself a little bit of a push. Yeah. But I'd spend no time whatsoever trying to make Spotify any money. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to sit around going, oh my God. I'd, I'd, if, I'm, if I'm allowed one poster day on Instagram to make that maximize its own self, then I want that post to be about something other than another company. You want that post to be about you? <laughs> yeah, I want it to be, a, yeah. or something. Something that's actually happened, yeah, rather than just going, please buy my stuff, please listen to my stuff. Yeah, um, that's true. That A lot of people put out posts that say, check our new song, or, you know, check this podcast, click mm. the link and stuff, and people have to have it so easy yeah. to just be able yeah, to click yeah, on yeah. it. Oh, Absolutely. it's on Spotify. No, you have to go on another. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. well. And so, again, I, this is another part of my... I've got a bad head in, in so many ways. I'm not very good at... I'm not the best person for the music industry. Mm. But also we've got this uh, this other person is, um, uh, sorry, there's another thing, which is a lot of bands will say, oh, we don't use Spotify um, as a statement against Spotify. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they say, but you can buy our vinyl off Bandcamp for 40 quid. Yeah. And you go, hang on, you're, you're now telling your audience how they can listen to it. Whereas oh, yeah. I know people with Spotify who can only afford Spotify. Yeah. You know, that £10 a month actually sort of saves them mentally from having to, you know, sort of go, oh, but now I've got to jump through a load of hoops just to listen to Grant. So I'll put my stuff on Spotify. I just don't care about the revenue from it. I'm not sat there relying on it. Do you know You're not I mean? sat there looking at numbers? No, no. I don't, no. I'd much rather be booking the next gig and the next yeah. tour and the, writing the next thing. And uh, again, it's that I've got 24 hours of the day. And I need 10 of them for napping. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, you, know, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, I need a lot of uh, a lot of naps. And, you know, so in those 14 hours, I've got to turn out a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm just going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you will get early ad-free versions of the podcast in a higher quality, as well as a load of behind-the-scenes photos and audio that I've been told to say are NSFW, which I don't know what it means, but people have it on their OnlyFans account. Apparently, I, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been told that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. You can also get the app on your phone so you can listen to my voice wherever you may be. My Patreon has a pay-what-you-can scheme where all tiers are the same. The aim of this is to have more Patreons paying the smaller fee a month and not pricing people out, which in turn will pay for the show and help it run and run until the end of time. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to the show. So before we get on to the musical, Mm. because I really want to talk about that, what does a typical year for you look like? Oh yeah, you did ask me that. I forgot to <laughs> Sorry, I'll, it. I'll edit it. <laughs> That's a great first question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not editing it. Oh, no. It's not edited. <laughs> oh, no. Um, the typical year. So do you want to start that in January or do you want to start mm. on, an, on an odd-numbered album? <laughs> Should we start from... It's, it's, wherever you want in the cycle. Okay. So, um, so for the last ten and a half years, I've been writing an album every six months. I released them on May the 1st and November the 5th. Mm-hmm. Those two dates are sort of like protest days and days of 
uh, yeah, why those days? General, yeah, general uprising. Obviously, November the 5th is, is Guy Fawkes yeah. and, and Bonfire Night and all that. That was a stand against sort of the, the, the establishment, but also May the 1st um, is also a workers' day in uh, a lot of countries, but it's also the first day of spring in a lot of countries as well. It's a pagan festival as well. It's May Day. Cool. Um, it's the 1st of May is one of the only bank holidays the Conservative parties tried to ban because really? it used to be about fucking and workers' rights. <laughs> it used um, to be about fucking? Yeah, well, yeah, just fertility in general. Oh, yeah. to keep the population up. Yeah. Uh, no, just just fucking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that springtime feeling. I'm horny as fuck. Oh, okay. It's May. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the Conservatives tried to ban May the 1st celebrations um, uh, twice in the last hundred years because they, <laughs> cause they don't like the idea of workers or fun. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and, yeah, um, cool. um, and uh, yeah, so that's the days I release it. But that, that was also, there was a business decision there as well, which was um, a May tour is easier to do than a January tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and a November tour is easier to do than a December tour sort of thing, or, you know, sort of, or, or a June, July tour when all the festivals are sucked up, all the yeah all the gigs everywhere and all the audience. So And January is hard for any music. Yeah, January is hard for most people. I, I, so, Let's start with January on that thing. So, uh, uh, okay, yeah. So you've got to remember in the background, I would have released and toured an album in November, uh-huh. December as well. Christmas I have off because you can't play very many original song gigs over Christmas. Mm-hmm. People don't like it. You've written a Christmas <laughs> song though. I've written a Christmas song. <laughs> um, uh, but people don't like that. So uh, that, that perineum or whatever it's called between yeah. Christmas and New Year, that's I just leave that alone. It's, nap it's time. just dead time. It's actually writing time yeah. in so many ways, but I don't do any gigs. January and February, I play house shows. I play in nothing but people's living rooms, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're great. And if I'm writing songs, I get to try out new songs to people and their friends. Yeah, It's really cool. So that's January, February. March, I start to get my head down properly on writing. I've been keeping notes since November, though, mm-hmm. about what the album's going to be. March, really, really get the writing down. I might have done some demos. I might have even written the songs by then, but, but March is when I start pulling it all together. I'd probably phone you up and say, Dan, I'm coming in early April. Yeah. <laughs> early April, uh, we record an album in a weekend. Yeah, which two is, days. Yeah, which is our, which is our little thing. Right, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. cool. Um, uh, then that gives me about three or four weeks to pull it together, get it made into CDs if it needs CDs. Mm-hmm. I try not to do CDs, but um, uh, or get the merch made for the tour, all that sort of stuff. Get it all up online, and then May the first it comes out. And usually by then I'm on tour from May until uh, mid June ish. Then it's festivals. Then it's August. <laughs> um, uh, and then, so, okay, with August is either, so I usually end up in Guernsey for the end of August anyway. And there's a couple of festivals still in September. September, by then I would have written another album over that summer in the drives and everything. And yeah. demoed everything, taken notes. September, I really try and pull it together. I call you up and I say, Dan, do you want to record an album on a weekend? early October, you go, yeah. Uh, that happens. That gives me three or four weeks to pull it all together, make CDs if I want to. Sometimes I try not to make CDs. And then 
uh, on November the 5th, I release an album and I go out on tour again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big old year, isn't it? It's a big year, but there's, there's, more, there's more time off than you think. Mm-hmm. Festival season especially, you've got a lot of early weeks. Just sat around going, oh, when's the weekend? Yeah. Well, but, you don't really have weekends, do you, in this kind of industry? No. It's not really no. a weekend. No, it? I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's only 52 of them a year. Yeah. I get really sort of conscious of that. It's like, yeah. Do you reckon that's because the older you got? No, no, it's not so much that. It's more to do with just the, the logistics of weekends. Okay. Because everyone wants to play Saturdays and Fridays. Yeah. And everyone hates the idea of playing Tuesdays and Mondays. And yeah. I'm thinking, I like playing Mondays and Tuesdays. I really do. I, I, I like that energy. I like the energy difference of the week. Yeah. Saturday gigs can usually be the worst because everyone's a bit rowdy. And, yeah. And uh, unfocused. And um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so you may as well play all week and just have this, this thing. But, but again, you know, people always try to book you early for Saturdays. Mm. So my Saturdays fill up in the year much quicker than the rest of my week does. But I prefer the gigs early in the week. It's weird. Um, but, yeah, it's just that logistics of I can only do 52 gigs on a Saturday. Yeah. And three of those will be filled up with Christmas and... Oh well, I wish it could be Christmas. (laughs) I wish it was a Christmas again. When does the money come into it? Is it merch sales that you make most of your money from? Gig fees. Yeah. Um, So each tour is, uh, I try and aim between 30 and 45 dates over two months. You know, that's sort of where it sort of aims for. So there's uh, either a set fee that some people pay. Um, Sometimes... Uh, it's a set fee and a hat. Yeah. You put the hat down. Sometimes it's just the hat. Uh, there's some places in the country I play where the hat pays better than the set fee. Wow. And you go, okay, um, thanks. And because yeah. you've done it so much, you know those venues. Yeah, yeah. You know I know those, those venues. venues. Oh, I know I'm okay. And, yeah. and on the other end of that, I imagine there's the <laughs> venues that don't pay. Well, there are those that don't pay, but also... Um, I, I genuinely believe if there's people there who've come to see it, I'm still doing the same job. Mm. Um, so, but it's also not about monetizing everyone in the room. It's, I always I try and play as many free entry gigs as possible, mm. so that if someone's struggling or if someone just needs a night out and they don't know if they can afford it or whatever, they they're not excluded from it. Yeah, I'd rather they were in the room not giving me anything and but taking something from it. Yeah. Than not coming and feeling shit. Yeah. So I hate that about, again, about gig t- uh, ticket prices and stuff like that. I hate the fact that um, you need 70 quid to see Pearl Jam from two miles yeah. away. That makes me really fucking angry. <laughs> and like, then even deeper than that, there's there's a band, when I was working at Scan, I heard about a band. Oh, I don't know if I should say it. I'll say it and bleep out. Um no way. <laughs> oh, my God. Go I can't believe he, they, she would do that. Um, but it's a dinosaur that tells stories. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they would charge their fans to see the sound check, which yeah. is fine. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I guess if you, if you want to go see them do a sound check, that's, you mm-hmm. know, that's fine. Again, the tickets were two, three, four hundred quid. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't yeah. need to, any band, I wouldn't need to see that. No. Nope. But what they did is they had a sound check 
So they had a real sound check, yeah. then had the paid sound check. So everything <laughs> sounded all right anyway. Yeah. So they're just on stage going, oh yeah, can I turn more guitars up in my, in my monitor? And he's like, but mm. you've literally been doing this about 20 yeah. minutes ago before anyone came but in you've got the to room. remember this whole industry is based on this facade that we hold up. Yeah. Always about the facade, you know, it's... it's um, Build your own hype kind of thing. Yeah, vibe. totally. Um, there's, there's that. I mean, there are some reasons for doing the meet and greet things. Um, I know you spoke to Zan and the, the kittens. I can't mm-hmm. remember if um, if it came up, but they, 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 they had to do a meet and greet because they were having to, essentially, they lost lots of money through, yeah. uh, through the, the oh, am I allowed to say it? Pledge music thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of people lost music in the, the collapse of pledge music. And we were out on tour. I was their support band. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so the meet and greet was their way of basically scraping back the tour costs yeah. that they'd lost from losing so much money to a, a bad business. Again, you, you know, they worked their asses off, made some arsehole thousands yeah. of pounds who left, you know, who took it. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? That's... <laughs> It, it's not it's not even about the money you don't get the time back yeah you don't get that that point of you know where you just went hang on i worked really hard and i've got nothing you know that sucks mm. so again it's just that thing of um i understand the meet and greet in some regards as well there is a reason for it and i also believe that you know um some people genuinely love it as well that you know some fans absolutely love yeah. that sort of thing yeah um, I don't personally do it because I'm sat in the room watching the support bands anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, I don't pretend to be in another plane of existence. If people you know, want to meet and greet you, they'll yeah, just come up to meet, you yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. Like, <laughs> "It's like literally stand outside and I'll be out there yeah. for a cigarette." Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you know, if people actually want to sort of really get to know me, you know, put me up for the night or whatever, and, and mm. I'll, I'll come wash up. Yeah, yeah. You know that yeah. sort of thing. It's, but it, it's also I'm not precious about myself i'm not sat there going i need my space i need my preparation time yeah i need this yeah oh god i need so much to do this art yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh my god my art what about Um, voice resting and that kind of stuff because i when mm. i play down at the rock house because everyone i know goes there to watch Mm. i have to talk to everyone and because it's loud in there Mm -hmm. i'm like all right how are you and i'm talking to everyone and then when i get on stage i realize oh shit i've actually you sort of grow that muscle a bit more i think there's there's a bit of that but there's also that you grow that muscle i don't try and talk in loud rooms anyway mm-hmm. if a band's playing i don't try and talk at all if i'm, yeah. I'm listening to a band that's yeah. the way it is if i'm not interested in the band i'll leave i won't start talking i'll just get yeah. out of there. yeah um and I'll, I'll go out the back or whatever and just you know the smoking area is always yeah. for someone um so so i don't spend a lot of time necessarily shouting inside the venue anyway um i don't i don't really think about it. I, my, my voice is um it's grown a lot in the last god knows how many years but um like the singing voice i, I rarely lose it i think the only time i've lost it was when we were doing the toupee out in guernsey do you remember, oh, when, yeah. <laughs> do you remember when we shouted where's carl like from the back of the room <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, for three nights started, in a row yeah. we're going yeah. where's carl like that and it took forever to get to the stage and then start the song. <coughs> and by like the third night of doing that, I was just like, "This is this hurts." Really That's why we can't tour too bad yeah, anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I can't do that. But um, yeah, the 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 voice stuff. I mean, 
drink a lot of water. I don't drink any booze. Mm-hmm. Um, coffee's really good for it, so smoking. Um, <laughs> again, I'm not in the industry, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to sell anything. Um, Just sticks of butter uh, in yeah. Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, totes. That um, Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like chewing on a... a <laughs> on a chomp bar. Digestive biscuit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really good for vocals um, with cheese. And, um, uh, but yeah, I don't spend any time really worrying about it i'll i'll do a little warm-up hmm. but it's not much uh, you know it's, it's like a, it's a vocal zone lots of water and, and going uh, yeah and getting the the, the low end that's the it. best warm-up just a, yeah mm, uh, i try and with the, the band on before i try and kind of sing yeah, along yeah, to the baseline of that just so yeah. i can yeah in quiet just yeah. get it all in there and um uh but also i do it so much as well that the the voice is muscle memory now as well yeah so I just have to put the, the, the air in it, and it does the songs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's, yeah, I don't even think about it anymore. These people what? bore me. What? <laughs> people bore me. These That's going to go straight into a guitar. These people clang. bore me. Bling, 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 Dan Parkinson music. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson music for advert free, higher quality and early access to the Stage Fright podcast. What are you like when you're playing new songs? Are you a bit anxious about them? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. but also it's really exciting. Because you don't, you write them, record them, and then play them? Is yeah, that how you do it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, it depends on how well I've written them mm-hmm. and how long I've been writing those songs. Um, some songs I don't know at all as I play them on stage. I always do a, a launch night at the Art House in Southampton. Mm-hmm. And that, if you come to those shows, you will see me fuck up every single song on the album and people still clap and leave. It's weird, mm. but at the same time, I'm nervous, and I know I, it's my first way of finding out where the laughs are in each song as well. Because you did stand-up comedy, is that that's kind of a callback to work in progress nights, I guess. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Parkinson. Dan Parkinson music. <laughs> um, that's your work in progress nights. Well, that? yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, they're always work in progress nights, really, but it's. Um, uh, yeah, you learn where the laugh is in the in the song, mm. and you learn where people are excited by it, or if they're not, or whatever. Some people, you know, um, will there's you know some songs people will cry at and things like that, and you kind mm. of you need to know how to sell these things into yeah because some of the trip some of the subjects are hard because they're about things like Brexit or politics or whatever. You've got to kind of make the joke, but you also have to make the point in the joke as well. Mm-hmm. So you have to order it, you have to stack it all up in the right way, but. Um, but it takes you so on a tour, it usually takes like the first five or six gigs to really settle into yeah. whatever those jokes are. But then they're not the same every night as well because yeah, that's just different the audience of, of doing it. But and that's where you thrive, isn't it? Different yeah. audiences. Yeah, and- totally. But that's that's the thing is, um, I was just saying to the cast of the musical, my art is designed to hold up this mirror between the fantasies we hold up mm-hmm. and the realities we have. You know, it's a bit like, um, uh, I don't know. It's a bit like almost anything. You know, we, we hold up a, a, a version of ourselves online, hmm. but usually we're posting it from the toilet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, like you're posting a picture of yourself looking gorgeous on a cliff face whilst a turd's hanging out of your ass. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah? So, yeah. And I can't, I can never get over the fact that I know for a fact that my life, my body and like the world around us is full of, horrible things as well so yeah. this idea that everything's perfect is 
again, it, it leads to bad mental health, firstly. that's You can see through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, the more I, I see it quicker now, I suppose that's what it is. I used to, it used to take me like, like a week to work out why I was unhappy. Yeah. And then you'd go, oh, right, it's okay. It's because I'm, pre- I'm pretending I'm a rock star when the truth is I've got to do my tax return. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to do the garden. I've got to yeah, put the bins yeah, out. Yeah, I've got yeah, to do, yeah. yeah. You know, you've got, you've got real life to deal with. So, so the, more, the less you pretend you're a rock star, you're just someone whose job is driving to a different town mm. and playing some music. What about when Toupe were going? Toupe was weird. Because, because that was before social media. It was before social media, although it wasn't in a weird way because we had a, there was like lots of different forums and stuff like that. There was a lot of base. Was MySpace around? MySpace was around, but also there was a thing called eBassist and Bass Chat and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, we were quite... So Toupay, for anyone that doesn't know, were a band of two bass players. Two bass players. So how did that drummer. start? <laughs> it started with every good story <laughs> on 9-11. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry i just killed dan <laughs> dan parkinson memorial fund <laughs> um um so uh so it started with me and aaron we were drummers and a bass player we were, uh, aaron's a brilliant drummer uh, i'm an okay bass player and we started off with some funny funky tunes we took them to alex mcdougall and he had an akai sampler and he would start to much stuff up and made it all crazy uh and we really liked it and um, what year was this uh 2000 okay cool um and we needed someone to play the stuff that right. alex had added in there yeah and i kind of knew carl had all these effects and a whammy bar on his bass like <laughs> come on um so carl joined uh aaron left we had lots of drummers for a while uh, and then we had jay eventually after about two or three albums we signed a little record deal and ran around for a bit yeah um the the truth is there was no plan with two pairs so okay. there was no business plan whatsoever there was no end game really mm. it was just like well let's just see what happens and yeah. you know the, the the scene in southampton back then was all about everyone was different you know all the bands were different in genre but we all got on stage and just tried to not outdo each other it was all very supportive it was all like trying to find something original every night cool. in ourselves. We'd go on stage and we'd almost get bored of our own songs to the point where we'd try and sabotage them. <laughs> so, so you know, Jay would just start playing some random shit halfway through a song and he was like, oh, fuck, okay, right, and just try and do that. You make a joke somewhere, which would come back later and all that, and it was just this. Yeah. Um, but we didn't really have a business plan at all. Well, all we wanted to do was do the things no one else was doing. That was the only rule and uh yeah we filled up a credit card and flew over to the states with no visas and like literally like we got a sponsorship deal with a base company through the base some base friends of ours yeah um over there there was a guy there's a dentist who really liked us in knoxville tennessee who said oh yeah I'll, I'll i'll pay for your your flights or whatever and and um and we'll sort you out with with loads of stuff we had merch made in the states Wow. So it met us there, um, and we. So then it was just a case of right. I need to book some tours. So decided we, we, we'd go back to. We flew into Boston, so we decided to fly back to Boston after this dentist gig um, for his birthday, and uh, rent a car. And I just literally looked at a map and went right Boston, 
New Haven or something like that. Yeah, before New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like sat there going, right, okay, let's try and get a gig in Philadelphia. <laughs> you wait until 2 a.m. Oh, as start. in you would turn up to these. No, no, no. no. So this is before we went. Um, right. Fucking hell. Before we went. Um, so I, we knew this date was happening with the, with, the, with the birthday. We knew someone in Boston who we could stay with, Stacey. Yeah. Um, and uh, and some other people in Massachusetts we could play gigs with. Um, literally went, so we, we designed it, designed it from, from Boston to Philadelphia. That was the idea, sort of East Coast. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, looked at a map, wrote out the cities that were there and just right, right, let's, let's see what happens. Um, and literally, so I'd stay awake until 2 a.m. And then I'd phone the venues in these cities, like just like oh, a really course, random yeah. Google or something like that, or just ask people, where's good to play in New Haven? And someone says, Sully's. And you go, okay. Um, and you just try and make some stuff make happen. You just phone up and say, look, we're going to be there on Wednesday, whatever, in February. Can you do this? And they're like, yeah, okay. No guarantees of money, just like... Yeah. Because obviously if there was, the, the visas might be, or the, you know, the holiday visas would be crazy. Yeah, of course, yeah. But yeah, we spent 10 days in the States, playing the States. It was great fun. And we flew back and everyone here was like, you've just played the States. Been to America. You've just played in America. What was New York like? And you go, yeah, it was all right. What was Donald Trump yeah. like? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see him. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was literally just a case of just doing it and just um, the DIY sensible uh, thing of just like, don't take anything for chance. Just do it yourself. Don't, you know, don't, don't sort of... If, you know, imagine if you sort of left it to some guy in the States that says, oh, yeah, if you throw me $1,000, I'll book you a tour. I'll book you between two and <laughs> four gigs. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I could fill up every day because there was all these base people on e-basis and stuff yeah. like that who were like, oh, yeah, come stay with us and come play here. And it's just like, all right. So you just yeah. make a community and the communities will make things That's a easier. huge part of your... Um, your project, especially with like the Ignoramus album, mm. it was just make communities and yeah, just make yeah. little communities wherever you are around yeah, the country. Yeah, that's, and it's that's... great. It's the best best place to be in, really. But also, it's what music used to be. You know, a hundred years ago, I don't know quite how long it was. You know, music used to just be on paper. Yeah, you have to have a certain skill set to even make music happen out of someone else's brain into yours. Yeah. if you know what I mean. Oh, I mean. like this bit of paper. Okay, well, yeah, like your electronic <laughs> yeah. paper there. Um, yeah. But no, but, um, it, you know, before before recorded music, it was just paper. It was mm. That was the only way you could convey a song yeah. or you could teach it to someone by yeah. rote. But, the, you know, and, and musicians used to travel and and just go into places and sleep on floors and do stuff. You know, there was, there was no point... Maybe a few opera singers and stuff like that. There was no nowhere really where there was this like godlike status happening. Yeah. You know, vaudeville and and stand up and all that stuff were were just all mixed in with all all the same thing. And, yeah. and musicians were just sort of doing it as well. Um, and music has a place in every community as well. In in Western Africa, you have a a culture of the uh, the culture of the griot, who's uh, someone who would travel from village to village. And remember people's names and sort of when someone's born, they'll sing them the song. And when someone dies, they'll sing a song about that. And it's yeah. this thing, it's this way of memorializing life. Um, and you pass that on to the next people. And, and there was this, there's a storytelling aspect to it, but there's also a, 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 an otherness to it as well, because you're not from the village. 
you're just part of their culture. Yeah. So it's just this this way where you're sort of you're you're trusting them and they're trusting you to to sort of do all this stuff with each other. It's, yeah. it's lovely. Yeah. And we don't have that. We literally have a music industry that basically says the smaller you are, the shitter you are. Mm. Whereas I always think the smaller you are, the more important you are. Yeah. And I'm not rich, but I am massively happy. Wow. And that's I, great. I and I I I can't convey that. I can. I can show you my bank account, but, <laughs> <laughs> and then show you my boner. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, but it's also, you know, different towns have different things. But you play in some towns where they've just had a death, or you play some towns where um, things aren't going well or whatever, and you 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 react to that and you yeah. put it into the the show and and or into at least your time there, and uh, and I've learned more about the world I live in by doing that than I have from any screen I've, I've owned. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, I mean, I can't write it all down. It's like, it's, it's more than 80 books worth of knowledge of things. And, but I also have a memory as well. So I remember people's names and yeah, where I was when I heard things and stuff like that. So there's that as well. I do have that, which I think is maybe a special. And a lot of your of songs this. come from that as well. Yeah. You'll meet someone at a gig and, yeah that's where certain yeah songs yeah come or we from. just have a laugh or whatever yeah um i'm a big fan of like improv sensibilities whilst whilst uh talking to people so you know i'll make jokes all the time and jokes are just about going with an idea that's all mm. all they are um and those jokes sometimes take a twist that's dark or whatever and you go oh there's, there's a song there all right yeah okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get that song going on um uh or it becomes another joke somewhere else or something like that. It's just, you know, you, everyone you talk to is is valid yeah. in all of this. That was part one of Grant Sharkey on the Stage Fright podcast. You need to go see one of his live shows. It's such a funny experience. And obviously have a listen to his records. I mean, there's enough of them out there. I should know. I have produced all 20 of them so far. And there's still more to come. Anyway, in part two, we talk about the play that he's written about music festival culture. If you'd like to help out the show in any way, please sign up to my Patreon where for the price of half a coffee a month, you'll get early, ad-free, higher quality access of the pod, as well as some extra bonus bits and conversations. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. Ah, I could have done that better, but it's one take blunder, isn't it? Email me any thoughts and ideas you might have for the pod, allrightstagefright at gmail.com. And find us on Instagram and Twitter if you want, at Twitter at allrightimdan, Instagram at the Stage Fright Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in part two. Bye.